Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, do you remember the movie Back to the Future? Of course, most of us do. It's been out for almost 40 years. Uh, But it's starring Michael J. Fox. And here's the premise of the movie. You know this. And if you haven't seen it, then I'm going to just spoil it for you. So, And if you haven't seen it, talk to me after. But anyways... Um, it was it was Michael J. Fox, and he traveled in the past. He traveled back to 1955, only to spend the entire movie trying to get to the future. You you know that you're like, yeah. I mean, that's the whole premise of the movie. I need to go back to where he was, not necessarily the future, because in Back to the Future Two, they actually go into the future to see what they've become and how the world has changed. I wonder how many of us would have liked to get into DeLorean and see what was going to happen in 2020 before it ever happened. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I find that interesting because a friend of mine showed me a a cartoon, a meme, whatever you want to do it, a reel of the Simpsons and how they were predicting the very thing that we went through in 2010. And they actually had, and I was like, this is, they... They literally spelled it out, and it was like, this was something that they, it was weird. It was really weird. But anyways, um, that's what they do. Well, again, I'm not here to preach about the movie, but in our lesson today, we're going to follow the same kind of premise, okay? So let me give you some background just so you can keep going. Um, the book of Daniel is written way back in 605 B.C., 605 before Christ was born, and the book spans a total of 70 years. So keep that in mind. When we start in Daniel chapter 1 and we go all the way, it's 70 years. Now, here's what you want to jot down. In the total of, of the 70 years, there's four kings that are going to rise to power. Four kings. The first king, obviously, we've been talking to him. His name is Neb- Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. We could call him King Never Can Remember because we're going to see today that he's not remembering um, what the dream was all about, but that's on you. Then it moves into his grandson called Belshazzar. Belshazzar, B-A-L-S-H-A-Z-Z-A-R, Belshazzar. And then from there, the next king we see is King Darius. King Darius. And finally, we'll see the fourth king is Sirius, Cyrus, S-Y-R-U-S. Now, here's what you need to understand. When Daniel was taken in the very beginning, chapter when he's taken from Jerusalem, he's taken 900 miles away from everything he knew. Do you realize that Daniel never made it back to Israel? He died here in Babylon. And I think that's a great lesson for us. Why? Because sometimes we're going, well, Lord, I, I fulfilled, I, 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 I was an advisor to four kings. I'm at least let me... And God says, no, 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 I have... I have better plans for you. And so we have to take that to heart, and and we see that is the heart of Daniel. So, in essence, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go back to get a glimpse of future prophetic events. And my prayer, and my prayer all day long, is that we we wouldn't be here to see these events. Um, We're close to what what theologians call the rapture of the church. Now, I know you all know the rapture. I know I've been preaching it. You guys got to understand that we've 
We've done a Revelation series. We've done um, Are We Living in the Last Day series. And, and even last week we talked about these verses. But I want to I wanna make sure you know them. I want to make sure they're, you're the foundation of where you are. Because I want to talk about the rapture for just a moment. Nothing on the prophetic time clock has to happen except the rapture of the church. And if you'll take a look at what's going on in the world, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay? In a documentary called Jerusalem Dateline, they had a, one, of the, one of the cabinet members um, go up to the Temple Mount and walk around. Well, that caused a big uproar with the Muslims. That caused a big uproar because Jewish people aren't supposed to go up into the Temple Mount. Now, Christians can go up, but you can't take your Bible. You have to leave it there. You cannot take your Bible. Now, we have our Bible on our phones, but they're, very, they're, they're, they're watching you. You can't be real loud up there and everything else. Now, I find it interesting that it's under Jewish control, but yet they don't allow any Jewish people up there. Well, he said, no, 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 the standard is we're going to go up there. Well, it's causing an uproar specifically, and so that's happening in the world today. That's happening, that's going on right now. You're talking about even now, the World Economic Forum. They're, they're having their conference in Davalos, and you know, I mean, they're, they're really spelling out what's happening, and here's the point. The point is, is I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes focused on the Lord, because the time is short. The time is really short, and I find it interesting is the closer we get to the Lord, the closer we get to the the coming of the Lord, we can see that we can see an actual falling of the falling away of the of the people of God. There, they're, ah, ah. We we call them fair weathered Christians. Oh, let's see. Hmm. Yeah. And we should actually, church, we should even have a deeper heart for God. And I want to be in the presence of His family. And 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 here's the point. Here's what I love about this. It's not only coming and you sitting in the chairs and going, okay, pastor, tell me what you know, but it's you using your gifts as you come to church. A smile with somebody, a hug with somebody, an encouraging word. That's, that's how we're, that's how the body's built. And so Wednesday night is not built so you can just come and go, okay, oh, feed me. But it's the gifts that God is using in all of us. And can I tell you what the sad thing about not being in church is? is that when you go through hard times, you have nobody. I've, had, I've done so many hospital visits where, where the, the people are not part of, of any fellowship at all. And they're alone. And that's not how God, God says, no, no, we're a body. We're a body. And when people go through some of the hardest times in their life, they're alone. You go, well, they're really not alone. They, we, we've got family. But no, we're talking about spiritual family that can encourage you, that can love on you. That's, that's the whole point. So a lot of things are happening in the world that the mainstream media is not focusing on. So what happens next? The rapture of the church. Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, hit pen this. 1 Thessalonians four fifteen through 17 he says, For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. What's going to happen first, guys, is the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, let me stop you right there, because I always used to believe 
I always used to believe that we'll see the graves open, or if you're walking by a graveyard, that's going to be crazy because you'll see that. But the Bible says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, so half a blink. I don't think we're going to go, oh, what was that? I think it's going to be, boom, we're out of here in the same way. So the dead in Christ are going to rise first. All of our beloved people who died in Christ, which is going to be so sweet when we, when we jump in on Sunday to, to the first 14 verses of Ephesians, Okay, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And so, so man, your, your beloved grandma who, who prayed for you, she's going to go first. And then it says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, here's what I want to focus on. You guys know this, but it's the Greek word harpazo, harpazo. Okay, when Paul writes up, here's the thing. Paul says, hey, Listen, then we who are alive shall be caught up. It's the Greek word harpazo. And here's why I want to bring this out. That's very, very important. Because you'll have people say, no, 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 no. There's no such thing as a rapture. There's no such thing as a rapture. There's, you know what? They're, they're preterist kind of view. There's no such thing as a rapture. As a matter of fact, I got to tell you, rapture is not even found in the Bible. Where's the word rapture? And it's like, no, you don't understand. It's the Greek word harpazo, but when it's translated into Latin... The word is rapturus, rapturus. When rapturus from Latin is translated into English, guess what it's called? Rapture, you know? So, so it's the rapture. Now, if we were being politically correct in a spiritual kind of way, we would say, then we who are alive and remain shall be harpazo together with them in the clouds. That's really what it is. And you go, well, Ben, what, what, what does it mean? Well, here's the thing. It means to seize or snatch up violently, very quickly. Very quickly. And again, think about this. Think about this. Okay? Nothing in the world has to happen. There's a lot of things happening, but you're, we're not going... Like, like, think about this. Israel had to become a nation. That was one of the last prophetics. Well, in 1948, they became a nation. So in 1947, you might have been going, well, we, we, we're not ready to go because Israel has to become a nation. I don't know how God's going to do this, but you and I in 2023... We, we don't, there isn't anything for us to go, oh, well, let, let's, let's put a pin in that and wait for that. We're, we're ready to go. That's why you and I as believers should be looking up with, with, because our redemption's coming. Our redemption's coming. That's why you and I should be going, listen, I want to be found in Christ. That's why you and I should be one of some of the greatest evangelists that ever were, preaching the gospel, sharing the love of Jesus with people. You go, it's not always you going out and saying, well, let me tell you this, and let me tell you theologically this, and let me tell you about predestination, and let me tell you... It's about you loving people in a place that they go, wow, why would you do that? It's about us suffering, but bringing glory to God in the midst of that suffering. So here we are, 2023, and we're alive, and we're, ra- and, and we're waiting the return of Jesus Christ. Then all of a sudden, we hear the trumpet in our spirits, and violently we're snatched up to meet the Lord in the air. That's where everything changes. That's where everything changes. I don't know if we're going to go, did I die? What happened? I mean, I don't know how this is going to go, but, you know, 
it's done. And, and, and as a matter of fact, not only does Paul talk about this in Thessalonians, but he, he reminds the Corinthians, if you're taking note, jot this down somewhere in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, half a blink, that the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will ra- be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's a good place for an amen. Now, remember what we talked about last week. Here's what you got to grasp, okay? The fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3 is a type. It's a type of the faithful remnant that's going to be found in Revelation 1, 3 through 8. Okay? Now, you need to understand this. Daniel is a type of the church, you and I. Daniel is not found in chapter 3. Who is? Well, the three young Hebrew boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they represent, they're a type of Israel. Now, we're going to see this, and the Lord is is speaking to us. Now, later on, think about this. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to go insane for seven years. Seven years. And uh, most theologians liken this to the madness of the nations even in the last days. The last days. You go, well, Ben, I think it's crazy now. I think some of the stuff that's going on is nuts. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. There's going to be policies. There's going to be governments. There's going to be all these things in place that are going to be unbelievably crazy the way we say it. Now, you and I used to say, hey, well, we have our constitutional rights, or we have... And or, or 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 a lot of people say, well, we're the United States of America. But see, none of that is going to matter in these end days because it's going to be the madness. Now, when we get now, here's what I want you to put on your thinking caps. When we get to see Nebuchadnezzar wander through the hillside, eating grass like a cow, letting his fingernails grow and his beard grow long, you'll go, oh, if that's like an intonations, we can understand because we would never see a president or a leader or world leader ever do that. Normally they hide them in a basement somewhere. I didn't say that. Anyway. (laughs) Now, question. Do we see any of that today? Do we see any of the craziness today? Of course we do. You said, yeah. As a matter of fact, let me give you just a, a brief preview. See, although it's not, it's not um, published by the media, violence is exploding in the cities. Violence is exploding in schools. And I'm sad to say, even churches. Even churches. You see, there was a day where you could go to church and you didn't worry about someone coming in those doors to try to hurt anyone. There used to be a day. But today, churches have to employ volunteers as security to make sure that people are safe, are safe, that our children are safe. That's the world we live in. Violence. Violence. Listen, when Nathalie and I moved to Lubbock 19 years ago, it was one of the safest cities in the whole world, it felt like. I, you could, my wife could go to the grocery store at, after dark and, and, and the little sackers would walk them out. It was really, really safe. 
And even today, that's changed so much where you go, hey, there was a shooting here, there was a murder here, does anybody know about this? And all of these things, all of these things. 2023, we know this, racism is tearing us apart. The more they want to stop racism, the more they are racist. And you can see that. You see, everything that they're throwing worldwide is, is meant to divide. It's meant to divide us. Because why? Because united we stand, divided we fall. And if we're, and if we're divided over whatever it might be, and, and you guys know what I'm alluding to, I mean, whatever you're divided on, then, then all of a sudden it's like, no, I, I can't stand with you because we don't. And it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. Thinking about the marriage act that that um, the respect for marriage that that the president signed, okay, and I don't know if you saw this, but he signed it way before the new Congress people got in and so forth. And 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 you go, how do you know this? Well, see, yesterday I was on a meeting. I was on a Zoom meeting with Liberty pastors, and they're we're trying to figure out how that's going to affect the church. And what we have to do to combat this. So I'm in an hour, 45 minute meeting just and, and, and trying to figure out what this means. And so this is, this is in our world, you see, because that was a direct ha- attack on the churches. That was a direct attack on, attack on, okay, well, this is what we do. But see, not only churches, it's going to be Christian schools. It's going to be, and, um, and, and not only that, but one of the things that they said during the meeting is that this is going to be an attack on not so much a 501c nonprofit, but, but a for-profit. And you go, how so? Because they're going to come in. Your bakers, your flower people, all the stuff, your symphonies, anything like that, are, that's going to be taking, that's, going to, that's, that's a direct attack on, attack on them. Um, they told us in this meeting that they, um, if you don't comply with what they say, they will strip you away from with your from your 501c3 tax status. That's just the first part. They just they're scaring you in that sense. I mean, a lot's going on. A lot's going on. Okay, and then not only that, but we talked about abortions. Okay, they're occurring more than one million a year, and it put America on the fast track to judgment. Now, listen, I'm so blessed that that we are a. a a state of the sanctity of life. And as a matter of fact, this is Sanctity of Life Month. But that doesn't stop people from getting on a bus and going and, and still having it at one of the states that, that we've murdered 57 million children through abortions. And if this is not enough, let me just say this, Okay. The enemy is going to attack your marriage. Well, I've been married for, doesn't matter. The enemy is going to attack your marriage. He's going to attack the families. Okay? It's imploding all around us. Do you realize, do you realize that once the mandates came out for, for the COVID-19 and so forth, that liquor sales were up 800%? Did you know domestic violence grew? Because of that, people were in the home. They, they, they're not used to being in the home with each other. And they were drinking and they were doing that, you know. And, and that's another thing, too. Um, technology, all, all, the, all, the, all the texts, all the, all the bells and whistles. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, I found out just yesterday that Amazon is laying off 18,000 people. Why? Because people are outside doing stuff now. They're not at home like they anticipated. Oh, well, this is going to go on for... and so forth. Poverty is growing. Drug and alcohol use is an epidemic. And that's just here at home. Here at home. I don't know if you know this church, and, and again, I'm just this is just my opinion, but fentanyl is coming in by the droves, and kids are getting killed by it. And that's not something that we look up and we wake up in the headlines. And, and so, so you go, Ben, you really painted a, a awful. The, the world is awful. The world is different. The world has changed. Okay? And so you need to know that. So what can we learn from Daniel? Knowing that all this is going on in our world, what can we learn from the book of Daniel tonight? Well, jot this down if you're taking note. Our faith will be tested. Our faith will be tested. Why? Keep in mind, the masses are running in this direction. They're running on other direction. We as believers will be tested in our love for God and our walks with Jesus. Everybody's doing it. Why aren't you doing it? Well, because I believe the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. Guys, we're going to learn that our faith will be tested. We're also going to learn that, that Daniel, throughout his life, did this. He was uncompromising and he was faithful to God. Uncompromising and faithful to God. That's where we want to be. I think we need to make that covenant within our own hearts. God, help me to be uncompromising and faithful to you. Well, wait a minute. The whole world is running this way. I'm going to run this way. Why? Because I love Jesus. I love Jesus. So number one, we're going to be tested in our faith. Number two, we're going to see some important prophecies. How so? Well, the course of the Gentile kingdoms. We're going to see that. Then we're going to see, if you recall, the last day's empire, okay? Known as the revived Roman Empire. This is going to happen right before the second coming of Jesus. But if you recall, and I think I'll have, um, I think I'll have Josh put that up there for me. And I want to just show you because I think it's important. He's going to put the statue up for me, Josh. Okay? I wanted you to make sure. Okay, so these are all the kingdoms. You guys know this, but this is the revived Roman Empire, and this is the, the last one right there. Now, they're pretty strong. The, the head is strong, okay, but this is going to be a lot stronger. The, the kingdoms get stronger as they go down. Now, why is that important? Why do you bring this up? Because, again, I was thinking to myself as we looked through this, I was thinking, why is these toes, these little, they're little feet, how can it be so strong? I'll give you one word. One word you can agree or disagree with me, but it's the word control. It's the word control. You see, a kingdom doesn't have to be a giant head or giant arms or it doesn't have to be legs, but if it controls you, this is how they're going to be strong in the last days. How would they control us? Well, again... Referencing the Simpsons in 2010, it's a health issue. We'll just, we'll just send out a health issue. There'll be a health scare. Okay? And here's what you all need to do. Everybody needs to go in their house and we just need to stay there. And, and, and 
you remember how the eerie, how eerie feeling it was when we were every, it was just like, there was nobody on the streets and it was just like, everything was closed and we're like, it was like an episode of the Twilight Zone for a while, man. You're just like, now, the Lord did something beautiful in that time. He brought families together, families that were, were running around so fast and he said, okay, play in the park, be, you know, they, they brought families together. But for the most part, it's, it's a health issue. It's a health issue. Talking to Mike Shaw, we were talking about, you know, when we're going to do our prophecy update, but it's also a money issue. It's a money issue. He was telling me all about, about you know, um, this, the, the global, the new global currency, the, the digital dollar. You can write that down. The digital dollar. Gone are the days eventually when you will go to the store and take out a $20 bill and pay for something. But also, gone are the days that you're going to have a card. MasterCard or Visa or so forth. I think there's going to be, and I don't know, I have to check with Mike on this, but I think there's going to be a probably a digital dollar wallet or card or maybe on your phone or something, and that's how you scan and that's how you pay for your things. Now, if you are not a good little boy or little girl, guess what will happen? Your purchase will be denied. Now, you've got a bunch of hungry mouths to feed, and you're sitting there with a the cart full, and it's like, nope, sorry, you don't. Well, what do you, who are you going to call? You can't call the local bank. You see, they were doing that, and they're doing that in China even today. And they, 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 they have that, that control. And I wish I could go into more detail. We will go into that more detail on the prophecy update, but just think about that. Just think about... Think about control, okay? So, so you got money, you can't you can't buy or sell. But then you also got what you got. You've got this whole electrical. Let's buy. Let's get rid of our gas cars. And and here's how they're here's how they're kind of hiding it under global under 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 climate change. Okay, the ice caps are they're not nothing's changed. There were times that in winter. We'd have a bunch of snow, and then there'd be other Januarys where it was super warm, and and that's been the last twenty years in Lubbock. But there's anyway. But if I can get you to get an electric car, or electric stove, or electric heater, or whatever it might be, then guess what? It's called control. I can turn that off anytime I want to. Not to mention what we call social credit. Your co- your your credit score is no longer be based on if you pay your pay your bills. It's going to be if... Now, and, and here's how they sort of rolled it out. Me and Soph and Yvonne and Nathalie and Mike O'Reilly and Eva go out to eat. And we go into the restaurant and we're talking about the normal daily... This is what's going on in the world. And Nathalie starts saying, yeah, what about this and this and this? Now... Let's just say that Mike and Eva were like, hey, we just came to eat, man. I don't know what, you know, great. And, and Soph and Yvonne were like, yeah, we sort of agree. But Nathalie and I were really adamant about how the government's doing this and this and this and this. Here's what they would do. They would shut everybody's credit down. The people you were hanging with because they didn't want you to. And so they would go to Mike and Eva and say, hey, were you part of this? And Mike's like, well, hey, we just went to eat. We're, we have nothing to do with... And so what happens is now you're starting to divide friends. Okay, Mike, if you'll sign this letter that you're not, are, you're not part of them. Now, we've already subdued Ben and Nathalie, and so now we're going to go to Soph and Yvonne, and you see how that works. What does that mean? That means all of the establishments, guys, I mean, we're, we're on a whole different level. 
And again, you and I won't be here, but what's going to happen is the end times empire are going to be brutally, brutally strong in ways that you and I won't be able to fathom that. Did you know in China today that they have a state church that you have to, you have, in order to worship, and it's not, in order for you to come just like this to church, and I saw this today, that you have to fill out the government's little slip saying that you comply with everything they'll tell you to comply with. Today. You can come and worship, because we, we feel the need to worship, but it's control. We'll tell you what to worship, we'll tell you when to worship, we'll tell you what to worship, and if you get out of line, there's going to be a price to pay. That's the last day's empire that's coming in right now. Now, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. And he set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, this is the very first thing. Let me set the stage for chapter 3. An account of a gold image was erected in the plain of Dura, and it records Nebuchadnezzar's reaction to the revelation found in chapter 2. So what we have to understand is we can't detach what happened in chapter 2 with what happened in chapter 3, or else it won't make sense. Now, I'm going to ask um, Josh to go ahead and put up there. Again, I, want, I just want to leave it up there because here's the image. The image there, and of course, you guys know this, Babylon is the epicenter of idol worship. So here's the idol. Here's what he dreamt. He said he was the head of gold, the chest of arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, the legs of iron, and the feet mixed with iron and clay. Now, here's a couple of things we need to chat about before we jump into the chapter. You go, what's that? Your first, you need to ask this. What's the timeline between chapter 2 and chapter 3? What's the timeline? Okay, that's the first question. What's the timeline? The second question is, where does it fit in chronology? Where does it fit in this? Now, here's the answer. You really? We really don't know exactly the timeline. You go, okay, well, why did you set us up? Because I want to give you two schools of thought. Two schools of thought. You go, what are they? Number one, let me give you this school of thought. Tradition tells us, tradition tells us that chapter three took place at the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which was 19 years after the interpretation of the dream. You go, okay. Look at Daniel 2.47 in your Bibles. It says, the king answered Daniel and said, here's his quote, truly your God is the God of gods the Lord of kings, revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secret. That's Nebuchadnezzar. So tradition says, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, then you go and you built an image of gold. And let me tell you how big this gold, this image was. It was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. And it's been said that it took him 19 years to build. Or 19 years later, he built that. I don't know. The closest thing I can imagine, the church is about 11 or 12 feet high. Can you imagine 90 feet? If you were to drive by 50th and Indiana, there's a big water tower there. 
I wonder if the statue is, if that's 90, I don't know if that's 90 feet high or not, but you can imagine that's basically how tall this is. Now, it's also said it's in the plain of Dura, okay? The plain of Dura. You go, what does that mean? That means, first and foremost, that everybody in the whole world could see it. And it kind of reminds me of where we live, because if you put up a 90-foot statue that's 9 feet wide, everybody from Plainview this way could see the statue, specifically if it was made with gold and so forth. But let me get some application. You guys ready? Here's something that we need to chew on tonight. It's just an applicational thought. Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, verse 37 goes, God, your God is God, amen. And he bows down, and you can see there's something happens. But 19 years later, what does he do? He builds an idol. He builds an idol. You guys with me? Now, now think about this. Here's, here's some application. I believe this happens to a lot of Christians. Come on, somebody. When they have a God encounter, they're super charged for God. But then as they pass, as the years pass, and they allow the things of the world to begin to quench that fire. Yeah, man, man, the first few years, I was on fire for God. This is good. Yeah, I was telling people about Jesus. And then year five, you're like, yeah. And then year 10, walking with God. Oh, I'm a, praise God, I'm a Christian. And then year 15, you might not even say anything. Well, I don't want to ruffle feathers. And then year 19, you go, what? Well, year 19, it might be this, guys that we don't speak much about God anymore. Witnessing is virtually non-existent. As a matter of fact, it might be where people begin to talk about God or spiritual things and you sort of excuse yourself from the conversation. You see, much like Nebuchadnezzar, we begin to notice that we've set up some idols in our lives again. Anything that stands between Christ and the believer is an idol. Is an idol. You go, well, Ben, what should we do? Well, first and foremost, the first thing we need to do is we need to do a heart check. God, I've been walking with you for da-da-da-da-da, however many years. How is it between us? Am I still on fire for you? Am I still, have I set things up that I didn't even know about? Am I... You go, what does it mean? Well, remember what an idol is. And it's so important you grasp what an idol is because, because good things become ultimate and then they set up in your heart and you don't even know. Oh, I'm still a Christian. I'm still good. But you're worshiping something else. And it could be a good thing. It could be a good thing. You've made it ultimate. So we have to be so careful. We have to be so careful. For me... I'll never forget, when I first got saved, I was on fire for the Lord. I would witness to everyone, and I would always ask them. I didn't care what they said. Um, we'd go out to eat, and I would ask, tell the waitress if she knew Jesus. I, would, I was constantly doing that. And, um, and as you grew older, you kind of go, oh. But, but let, me, let me tell you something especially here in Lubbock. When it got to Lubbock and your heart is to witness, everyone seems to tell you, we're okay, I'm saved. Well, let's talk about, okay, wait, wait, wait. And, and, so, and so throughout the years of being in Lubbock, Texas, you sort of go, 
oh, people are saved. Okay, they're saved. They're saved. And, and a lot happens like this, and we have to be careful. We have to be careful. If we find ourselves, let me just give you some, some, some encouragement. If we find ourselves like Nebuchadnezzar, like you're here tonight and you're like, man, that really struck that nerve. Oh, um, remember Revelation chapter three, chapter 2, 3 through 5, because it gives us the remedy. You go, what's that? Notice what it says. Revelation 2, 4 and 5 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. He says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So here's the remedy. The remedy, guys, is, is, is you've left your first love. You've set other things in your heart higher than Jesus. And he says, okay, here's what you need to do. If you're there tonight, remember. Remember that place where you first fell. Remember. He says, repent. Go back and do those things that you used to do. You used to do. That's really rung true this year in 2023. Oftentimes I would preach up here, and this is full disclosure, and this is being vulnerable, vulnerable, but, but it seemed like my quiet time was getting just a little uh, routine. And so I'd get up and get my coffee, and I'd sort of do, and, and, and um, I would preach up here and go, hey guys, you, you need to take a look, and you need to invite Jesus in. And, and so this year I made a change. This year I made a change. The change is, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to really invite the Lord, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to, I'm going to see what he has for me. For me. You see, it's easy in ministry to go, okay, what do you have for the people, Lord? What do you have? What do you have? But what about, what about the Christian? And so I had to go back to the very first things that I used to do. I used to do. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember reading the Word and how... You had no idea what it meant, but you loved God's Word. And, and you had this audacious faith that, that God was, was just always taking care of you, no matter what. If something went bad in your day, do you remember? I'm talking about the very first days you got saved and how you would pray and how you would pray. So, God, you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. And people go, hey, don't, don't pray that way. God's not going to. No, he's going to do it. And when he did it, you go, see? Do you remember how you took your Bible everywhere and if you had a few minutes, you'd read it? Wow, nobody could dissuade you from, from doing it. Hey, well, this is happening on Wednesday. Nope, Wednesday night I go to church. Nope, nope, nope. Well, you know what? You can get a quarter more an hour if you work on Sundays. A quarter? No way. I'm not working on Sundays. I... Uh, no, uh -uh. but let me tell you about Jesus. I need my boss needs to be. Like, do you remember that? And that's what he's saying. He's saying for us, go, go back to that place when you were super, so in love with Jesus. Go back to that place when all you thought about was him and how, how you couldn't wait to be with him. Because here's the thing, church, listen to me. We don't follow Jesus because we're afraid of hell. We follow. We should be following Jesus because we're so in love with Him that we want to be with Him. That's that's where we need to be. 
19 years, that's one school of thought. Back in our study, let me give you the second school of thought. What's the timeline between chapter 2 and chapter 3? Well, it happened directly after the revelation of chapter 2, some people feel. And which is the case, we can surmise that Nebuchadnezzar, his God encounter, it was short-lived. It was short-lived. Okay? You think of the people who come crying and, 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 and they respond to an altar and they're, oh, God, yeah, Lord, open up my heart. But it, but it, but it was short-lived. It's... Listen, church, listen. I've had many of people sit and cry because their life is headed downward. They're in a bad spot and, and snotty, ugly cry. And we'll lead them in a prayer and they'll be excited for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Oh, yeah, praise God. And then when things work out at home or things go back to normal at work and they didn't get fired or they didn't get sued or whatever it might be, a lot like this, then they go back to the same way they were. Say, hey, hey, how's your walk with the Lord? Oh, well, you know, you know. I'm not a big church goer, you know. But, but you were in my church. You were in my church several months ago, sobbing like a baby that you were. We've seen that happen. Maybe it happened to Nebuchadnezzar. See, the most powerful king in the world living in the epicenter of idol worship had its grip on the king. So what does he do? Maybe he sets up an image. He goes, okay, yeah, man. Now, here's the application. It so breaks my heart. It so breaks my heart to see people respond to the Holy Spirit's invitation and not be changed. Not be changed. And to go back to a life of hurt and grief, and pain, and anger. My thought goes back to Luke, where he talks to the rich young ruler. Do you remember the rich young ruler? Do you remember comes and he's like, Lord, and, and, and we could go through that whole thing, but, but the rich young ruler today had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter. He was talking face to face with God. And and the Lord tells, I mean, it's so that if you'll look at that, that's so deep, man. It's so deep the way the Lord uses that and, and, and why do you call me good and all that. But the sad part about that is he has an encounter like Nebuchadnezzar may have had, and guess what happens? He turns away, and the Bible says that he he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other words, spiritual life, spiritual walk, none of that matters. I'm just glad that I have all of this stuff. And that's the timeline between chapter 2. Where do you stand? I don't know. I wasn't there. But let's see what happens. Let's go back to verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. And he set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, most believe the image was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide inlaid with gold it would have been super expensive and very heavy. Now, he did build it in the plain of Dura so that all could see. On the plains of Dura, there stands today, if you go there today, a giant mound. This, 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 it's about 24 feet high, and it's the exact square of 46 feet at the base resembling that could be what the pedestal 
of this colossal statue could have been. So in the plain of Dura, even today, you see this 24-foot mound of dirt. Now listen, I find it interesting that although Nebuchadnezzar didn't do this intentionally, the dimensions of six cubits wide and 60 cubit high actually introduces the number six, which is prominent in the Bible as the number of men. So keep that in mind, six. Also, because it was 90 feet of gold, this 90-foot gold image, most believe that Nebuchadnezzar may have regarded the image as representing himself as the embodiment of divine power and worship of the image that would be a recognition of his personal power. You know, maybe he just heard Daniel say, I'm the head of gold, and so I'm powerful. And so, again, think about this. A 90-foot image, 9 feet wide, full of gold. You could see it from forever. Once the line shines on it, you could see that forever. Oh, you know, like the Ginsu knives. Oh, but it gets, but there's more. There's more. You go, how so? Look at verse 2. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar sent a word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judge, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence to come to the dedication of the image of the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So what does he do? He goes, hey, all the government officials, come on, you need to come. You need to come to the plain of Durham. Okay? So what happens? The satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4, Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, at, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship the beast, or worship, will be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Okay, let me go, to back, go back to verse 4. Then the herald cried out loud. That would be the government. It, to you it is commanded. There's another word that we have recently learned. It's called a mandate. It's been mandated. Although this word is much more than a mandate. Much more than a mandate. Now, think about this. Think about this. The government right here the government of Babylon is saying right now, it is commanded, all the peoples, all the nations, all, all, all y'all, when you hear the horn, the flute, the lyre, the symphony, he says, you need to fall down and worship the gold image of the king Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that you've pulled a bunch of Jewish people from Jerusalem, who only worship the one true God. Now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. In 2015, 2014, 2010, 2000, 
1980, 1970. When you read this, you kind of go, okay, okay. But now, when we realize that government came in and began to mandate things that were against our Constitution, and it wasn't law, but it was a mandate, guess what? That's all they had to do. Because the rest was up to the people. If you did not follow through with the mandate, you didn't need a government official to tell you. You had the people come in and say, hey, what are you doing? What's wrong? And, 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 and all of this stuff. I would imagine the same thing would happen today. You're there you are with your family and you're eating Sunday dinner and you hear the music. Oh, we have to bow down or we'll be in trouble. We'll go into the fire furnace. I'm not going to bow down. No, 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 you need to, you need to. Please. And, and so the, the peer pressure of the, of the people were creating this. You don't want to go in the fiery furnace. You don't want to. You know, the government said, government said you're going to go into the fiery furnace. This is so deep, guys, because think about this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who we'll be introduced to next week, is going to, it represents Israel. It represents Israel going through the trials that they're about to go into. Okay, Daniel, where's Daniel? Daniel should be here. Daniel's not going to bow down to anything. Oh, no, Daniel's taken out because the Lord wants to show us we are taken out. But now we see the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery. Some of these musical instruments, believe it or not, are difficult to define precisely, but the idea is still clear. This was an impressive orchestra. Now, notice, whenever, whoever does not fall down and worship, that's what's key, worship, worship, shall be cast immediately into the fiery furnace. The command was actually backed up by a very powerful threat. We have lived a little bit of this. Nebuchadnezzar regarded the refusal of worship, the image as a treason, and not only as a religious offense. Okay? You remember, let me remind you, let me remind you, in our world, just a year or two ago, many people lost their job if they refused to comply with the standard that someone in the White House set up. They lost their job. They lost high-paying jobs. Come on, y'all. We can see it in Scripture. Nebuchadnezzar regarded the refusal to worship the image as treason, and in the same way, we saw that in our world. We saw that in our world. In this, Nebuchadnezzar was just like many politicians who often seem willing to use religion to strengthen their grip on political power. Politicians are happy to blend together spiritual allegiance with national allegiance. Let me give you an example. In 1960, when the president of Ghana had a slightly larger than life-size statue of himself erected in front of the National House of the Parliament, 
an inscription on the side of the statue read, quote, Seek ye first the political kingdom, and all other things shall be added unto you, unquote. The statue was destroyed after the bloodless coup in 1966. You see, be careful. Be careful. Not everybody who quotes Scripture is going to quote it properly. And a lot of politicians will quote Scripture. I've seen it. I've saw what they, they use Scripture and they'll use it completely out of context and for the benefit of their political game. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's doing, okay? That's what Nebuchadnezzar's doing. Look at verse 7. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, here's the key word. Here's the operative word. It says, all the people. And you can look at it like this, guys, as, as again, think about this. Think about this. Rapture. We're gone. We're in heaven. Okay? The Antichrist, the beast that we're going to see here in Revelation, he sets up an image. The whole world is going to bow down. The whole world. Do you realize, do you realize right now the believer is the pushback from a lot of the evil? We're, we're still here going, no, 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 this is not right. We're going to stick to the word of God. But when we're gone, they're going to disregard the word of God and they're going to allow the church and the state to marry and do whatever they want to do. But right now, you have pastors and and and. Christians and disciples going, no, no, we're going to stick to God's word. We're going to stick to God's word. And the Holy Spirit is moving so amazing that you'll get people to go, man, I'm just not getting fed. I need to go where I need to get, where I'm getting fed. And you'll see the Holy Spirit move and bring people and and they're going to fall in love with the word of God. And that's how we're going to see revival in these last days. That's how we're going to see hungry people for God's word. I don't think we're going to see the masses, and I don't think we're going to see mega churches. I think we're going to see hungry people going, oh, that's what I've been wanting. That's, oh my goodness, that's what I want to know. I want to be fed. Why? So that when we hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the harp and the lyre, that we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. Now, let's chat real quick. The image in chapter 3 was about control and worship. Next week, we're going to see the test of the fiery furnace. But let's look at this. Let's look at how this correlates to future events. Okay, so next week we're going to do that. So say goodbye to Daniel for now. And remember what we learned. And let's go to Revelation 13. Revelation 13, okay? We're going we're gonna to be closing here in just a minute, I promise. In Revelation 13, we see, you remember, Daniel's 70th week. This is the final week. This is the tribulation period. The Antichrist and his prophet rising to power. Now, remember, remember, as we read, remember King Nebuchadnezzar is setting up his image, and what's he demanding? He's demanding to be worshipped. That's the key. Control and worship. Control and worship. Okay? So, this is going to happen sometime 
in the not-so-distant future. Revelation 13, we'll read it together, guys, very slowly, and then we'll pray. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, John writes. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and his on his head a blasphemous name. Now let's stop right there. We're going we're gonna to go on. But I often look, um, you're going to see a sea, but I wonder if it means out of the nation, a sea of people. It could, you know, we can just tie all of this in. But notice that John says, he says, out of the sea, but you need to understand the symbolism in Revelation because it's not necessarily here's this beast that comes right out of the, out of the sea, out of the Mediterranean, wherever John is in the island of Patmos. He's not going, oh, look, I see something. So keep that in mind in symbolism. And he says, here's what I saw. I saw seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns are ten crowns. And his head had a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard... His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. Now, I want you to, I want you to think about this, okay? What, what are the characteristics of a leopard? Somebody who's very swift. They used to say that Alexander the Great was like a leopard because he'd conquer very swiftly. He, he, it was done. It's kind of a one and done, okay? But he also had feet like a bear. What, what, what are the characteristics of a bear? Claws, right? Yeah, and they could tear people, he could tear people to pieces in just a second. But he also had, what, a mouth like a lion. What is the character? I mean, big, sharp teeth, roar, and, 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 and that sort of thing. And so what happens? The dragon, guys, gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. That could be, for us, that fake resurrection, Okay. All of a sudden, the Antichrist was dead. News it. It's all over the news. It's on Facebook. It's everywhere. Every social media, the Antichrist. Oh, they're not calling him Antichrist. You understand. Brother so-and-so has died. And all of a sudden, no, wait, he's not. He resurrected. This is what John's telling us. He's saying, I saw the deadly wound on his head. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Guess what happens? Look at verse 4. So they worshiped the dragon who gave the authority to the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So, your attention, please. Go back to the leopard. Go back to the bear. Go back to the... These are all war. These, he, nobody can stand against him. Nobody can stand against him. Here, who, who's able to make war? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Guess how much 42 months is? Three and a half years. That's the great part and part of the tribulation. Okay? 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now, remember, the saints here in Revelation are not us. We're gone. The people who have given their life to the Lord on the earth during the tribulation are now the saints. They're the saints on earth. So he's making war with them. Okay? He, and, and he says, listen, he's going to make war and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, 
whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain from from the foundation of the world. So all of these are non-Christians. These are people who are not saved. Their names are not written. Okay? So who are they? These are the ones that are worshiping right now. They're worshiping him. Worship. Worship. Think about this for just a second. Think about this. The Christians are gone. The the tribulation saints are probably hiding because they're not exactly going to have worship services like this or else they'll be killed. The non-Christians are going to worship the beast, right? They're going to worship this antichrist, this this whole evil system. And if you don't, guess who's going to the people are going to turn on themselves and say, you better do this. But there's no reason not to do this unless you're saved. So it says, all who dwell on the earth, all. Notice what he says. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and here is the patience and the faith of the saints. He says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like the dragon, and he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and caused the earth and those who dwell to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he performed great signs so that even he can make fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. By those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of his name, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of man. His number is 666. That's coming. That's coming. Daniel's giving us a preview, but we can see that's coming now. You go, what should I do? Make sure your your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for Daniel chapter 3, Lord, and Revelation and how you spoke to us, and how you're guiding us, and how you're warning us, and how you're comforting us. We thank you, Lord, that it's much more than just singing, and guitars, and basses, and drums. and it's, uh, it's your holy word, and the power of your spirit. Father, a time is coming 
when the whole world is going to worship an evil empire. We only want to worship you. You are a great God and King, and we love you. And we thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.